Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 492. We're in the book of Revelation. This is for Monday the 28th. Grab your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever you're using in this series. Um, We're in Revelation chapter 1, and let's read our memory verse. Verse 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. Excuse me, for the time is near. Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes and enhance our understandings so that we may grasp what you want us to learn today. I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm glad that you're with us today. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. We're going to look at our response to Christ. And in looking at this, I I thought it was essential that that we understand that our response to the person and work of Jesus Christ shows not who he is, but rather who we believe he is. Not who he actually is, but who we believe he is. And it reveals more about us than it does about him. It reveals more about us than it does about him. He is the unchanging one. And our response to him and to his work is essential. What do we think of the person and work of Jesus Christ? Let's look at a couple verses before we get into Revelation 1. In James chapter 2 and verse 19, and, and I, I think it's important that we, that we look at these verses. Uh, You may think this is off the beaten path of Revelation. I do not. Revelation 2.19 says this. James says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. (laughs) King James says they tremble. Now, am I asking you to tremble in the sense uh, to be so fearful? Uh, no, but I'm going to I'm going to read these verses to you. I want you to look at the response and then I want you to look at the response of John when he sees his friend in his risen glorified state. Look at Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight. Again, hold on as I read these. I know that these are not about um, believers, although James 219 is talking to believers. You know, you believe that God is one. The demons tremble. They've also believed. Look at Matthew chapter 8. I want you to look at the Christ that we serve. And again, in this situation, these scriptures that we're looking at, most of them are the um, before he had died and raised from the dead. In Matthew chapter 8, 28, it says, And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Notice they recognized him and they knew their future. Have you come to torment us before our time? Now turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 23. Mark chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, 
what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, remember, uh, Nazareth, he recognized him. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So Jesus is known by this unclean spirit or spirits, and um, they know their future. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread throughout uh, everywhere, throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Notice they said a teaching with authority rather than just some teaching. Now turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, this is post-resurrection. This is... Um, not Jesus doing this work, but this is a powerful work of Christ in Matthew, uh, or excuse me, in Acts chapter 19, we see Paul had been ministering in Ephesus and having such great success that some of the, um, some of the other people tried to duplicate that success without a relationship with Christ. Verse 13, and then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to involve, to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Notice they didn't say the Jesus that we know. Seven sons of the high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, look at this, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And so our response to who Jesus is again, says more about us than it says about Christ. Christ is who he is, whether we recognize it or not. But our recognition and our treatment of Christ is crucial. I can tell by just talking to someone or listening to someone or reading something that they have written, I can tell pretty much what they think of Christ, what they think of who he is and who he is not. Now, this last week, we looked at um, all the things that talked about Christ and the revelation of Christ. And then we get to the verse 17 and look at John's response to his best friend, Jesus, who is now changed completely and glorified in his glorified state. And John says, when I saw him, <clears throat> he describes him. And then he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, he laid his hand on him and said, Fear not, but then he describes himself to John. He shows who he is. He describes himself as the eternal one. He describes himself as the one who was dead but, in his, but is alive forevermore. He describes himself as the one who has the keys to death in Hades. He doesn't soften who he is. He just tells John, hey, fear not, I am with you. Now, John's response to him was not unusual. Let's look all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 17, we love to talk about our heroes of the faith. We like to talk about their humanity. We also like to talk about um, the, the great works that they did. But their response to God, their response to, to, to Christ is, is so essential. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 17. 
Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and my and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face before him and God said to him, and then God goes on and talks to him about the covenant that he's about to to have. Abraham is chosen of God to be uh, the father of many nations. He's chosen by God and God's gonna make a covenant with him. And his response to God is he falls at his feet. He falls at his feet. Look at Exodus chapter three and verse six. We love to talk about Moses and to the Jews, there's no greater one than Moses. In Exodus chapter three, verse six. And he said, Moses said, or, or he said, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. He hides his face from him. And notice what God says. I am, I'm not, I wasn't. It's not like past tense. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, of Jacob. And Jesus talks about this, says, am I the God of the dead? No, I'm the God of the living. And Moses hides his face. He is chosen by God. He could have looked at that and 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 been arrogant, but he chose he chose to to hide his face from the one who had chosen him, the one who was selecting him to do this work. Look at Ezekiel chapter one. Ezekiel chapter one, verse twenty-six. Verse 26 of chapter one in Ezekiel. And above the expanse over their heads, there was a, a likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire and seated above the likeness was a, of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had uh, the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire closed all around and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire and there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that was in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. See, we we see this power. We see God manifesting himself and we see the response of people that we look on as his heroes. And what's the response? It's not arrogance. Their response is to, to hide their face or to fall on their face or to respond in, in what should be responded properly. And you would say, well, that's the Old Testament. See, God is so much nicer in the New Testament. Let's look at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Verse one, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. We saw that in Revelation chapter one and verse 16. Like the sun, and his clothes were white as light. We saw that also in Revelation chapter one. And behold, there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, look, it is so good that we are here. If we wish... If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
not realizing that he was making all of them equal, even though Jesus is not equal. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. In the midst of their human response, God takes over the scene and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus only. Jesus does with them what he did with John later. See, John had already had his hand laid on him once by Jesus and told fear not and, 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 and rise. And he's doing it again in Revelation chapter one and verse 17. And what's my point? My point is from the old to the new, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our response to God is not an Old Testament response versus a New Testament response. Our response to God should be the same. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is our Lord and our God, and our response to him should be one of absolute um, awe. Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. We know this scripture probably pretty well. But Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said to him, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him um, stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate or drank. He's flat out on the ground whether it's from a horse or just as he's walking, he's flat on on the ground. And when he rises up after talking with Christ, he cannot see. And he's led away for, for, and for three days, he eats nothing and drinks nothing and he's completely blind. Jesus is overwhelming. Jesus is overwhelming. And our response to him, although... Um, he is our Lord and Savior who has, who has given his life for us. Our response should be one of awe and fear and respect. We've lost that. Jesus is, is buddy, buddy. Jesus is the man upstairs. Whatever he is, he's just, he's, you know, he's a good dude or whatever. We have lessened our appearance or, or, or how we see him, but we haven't lessened him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13. He is to be adored. He is to be admired. He is to be served. He is to be revered. He is to be awed. We need to see him as he is. Why is that essential? Let's look at First John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. And this is about all that we will cover today. This, um, this, these two verses have so much in them. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Look at this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. 
So, so John, the John of the Revelation, John writes that we should, we should understand that we are the children of God. The reason why the world does not know him is that it, us know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know this, that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. We're the children of God. We've been brought into the family of God. And when we see him, we shall see him like he is, and we shall be like him. And what should our response be to this knowledge? Verse three, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself for he is pure. Our response to Christ cannot just be, well, now I'm going to heaven. Our response to what Jesus has done should not be, yeah, I can take it or leave it, or I'll take some of it. I'll leave some of it. Or I'm just, I just don't want to be so radical. Or, or I'm just not going to take that. Oh, come on. Let's just know. Well, Jesus is just, he's a lot nicer than God was in the Old Testament. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so is God. Does he deal with us differently, dispensationally? Yes. But he is the same. And the response of the Old Testament, um, heroes of the faith, if you will, is their same response of, of the disciples in Matthew chapter 17. It's the same response uh, 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 that the demons had. It's to know who he is and to believe who he is and to understand that not only do uh, the demons know who he is and know their future, but we should know who Christ is and we should know our future. And our future is one day when we see him, we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. And what should that cause us to do? It should cause us to purify ourselves. Back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the, li- the, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. We'll get into the rest of these um these sayings and these things that Jesus told John uh, tomorrow and the next day. But today I want you to understand that our response to Christ needs to be, um, it needs to be on a level of what he's worthy of. We just don't add Christ to our life like we add uh, cruise control or, or, or leather seats to a car. It's not optional. Our response to him should be to see him as he is because one day, When we come face to face with him, we will be just like him. And knowing that, we should purify ourselves. Let me pray for us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Until we talk again.